Well, hello. Welcome to the Joe Mel Show. I'm Joe. I'm Melissa. And this is a podcast where we discuss life, marriage, and parenting from a Christian perspective. And we are excited to have you listening to this episode. This episode, uh, don't let the title scare you. If you are not one who has a child coming soon, or maybe you didn't have a child born recently, uh, be a good listener. This could be information that you could use to minister to somebody else, maybe someone you know. Uh, Melissa and I both have a lot of friends that are having babies, maybe in the recent past or upcoming in the next few weeks, next few months. And we just want to talk about what it's like and how we can best invite a new family member to our home um, in the form of a child. So yeah. don't let that scare you. If you, if you if don't shut the don't shut this off, just because you you don't think it applies to you. Um, you and I both know that God sometimes gives us messages to give to other people, and so that might be the case here. Um, and it'll be good anyways. But we're gonna start with a conversation starter, like we have been doing. So Melissa, this is card number thirty three. Um, describe a time as a child when you felt really special and important. Wow, that's a good one. Thanks, I picked it out. Uh, I would say, man, I'd have to say there was a, I just remember distinctly there was a gift that my parents gave me and it had just had a lot of meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget how old I was. Uh, I think I must have been, yeah, I was in sixth grade because I remember I actually lost this present at a basketball game so I had to get the present again but initially the first time it had a lot of meaning um, my parents got me a purity ring that's what they okay, called it cool. um, I was so, wondering if you were going to tell us what it was or just leave us sorry. Leave us a mystery <laughs> uh, it was a sapphire ring that's my birthstone because I was born in September and so it was just really meaningful because my parents just kind of talked to me about just what it meant and just how they wanted it to just be a reminder that everything I do from here, you know, every decision that I make before I find the person that God wanted me to marry, that mm-hmm. it would just be important to make wise decisions. And so they kind of shared with me just about, you know, God is my first love and, you know, he wants me to um, find the person that he has for me. And, uh I don't know. It just was really meaningful and they just made it really special. And they were even very merciful when, like I shared before that I lost it at a basketball game. They got me another one. Nice. <laughs> um, but I wore that ring for a really long time and it just reminded me of like just staying pure and loving God and trusting in him and just waiting for the right person for me to like give my heart to. Cool. Maybe it's something we'll do with our kids. I don't know. <laughs> with Naomi. Well, yeah, with me, with Naomi at least. One um, one event or one time that I felt really special was at church when we had a guest speaker. I was probably, let's see, it's before I played in the band, so I was probably a young teenager, maybe like 13 or 14 years old. And we had a guest speaker, and I was working in the coffee bar at the time with uh, Mary Smith. Shout out to Mary. She um, She and I ran the coffee bar for a while together. And one of the guest speakers asked me if I was homeschooled and I was kind of taken aback. I said, hey, yeah, actually I am. I said, how did you know? He's like, well, he said, I always felt like homeschoolers just had a easier way of talking to adults or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he just made me feel good about being mature and being, you know, being socially adept and having some skills there. So that made me feel really special and important, um, knowing that he was 
he noticed something about me and pointed it out and complimented me on it. So that was really fun. That made me feel special as a kid. Oh, that's cool. So back to our topic today, we are discussing how to bring a new child into the family peacefully. We're going to talk about lessons that we've learned uh, just as a form base basis or baseline. We have three children and they are all under seven years old. So we've had some recent experience in this. Um, obviously, we have experience from our first child. So we're going to talk about what that's like bringing your first child into the world, but also how to adjust and how to bring peacefully other children into this into the family as well and what that's like so we're we are by no means perfect we've made plenty yeah, of mistakes we're definitely not fact, experts we, we might talk more about the people things that we have wish more kids we than we done. do <laughs> yeah we, we might talk more about things we wish we would have done rather than what yeah, we did do exactly. but that's just part of reflecting it's part of being a, a growing christian as you you look back on your life and you say wow i would have done that better if i had a second chance yeah and then try try your best to find opportunities to do better so melissa why don't you start us off um what do you want to talk about first well, yeah, this, you know, this conversation kind of sparked because like you mentioned in the intro that we've just had a lot of uh, friends that have welcomed a new baby recently. And so I would, every time that happens, I just kind of relive mm-hmm. our moments um, becoming parents for the first time. And so I just, yeah, we just started talking about it. So the first question I have for you is, you know, what was the hardest part? of welcoming our first child into the family, like as a husband, as a father, you know, what were some, maybe some struggles that you had to come through with our whole family dynamic changing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the toughest thing for me was learning to share you with somebody else. Um, We had only been married for about three months before we got pregnant with Silas. And then he was born almost exactly a week before our first year anniversary. So we really only had a few months together where we were married and we weren't talking about the baby or we weren't planning for the baby. Um, you know what it's like when you're your first pregnancy, your first child as a new newlywed couple, you're like all about the baby. Everything is, you know, everything kind of got pushed to the side that wasn't related to this new baby coming into Mm -hmm. the world. So I think for me, one of the hardest parts was just being willing to share and understand that this is a new phase of life. Because I felt like we just started a new phase of life as a married couple. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, scratch that. (laughs) We're going to fast track you through that phase. Here's parenting. Here's what parenting is going to be like. And especially for us, when because we chose to um, nurse our kids, when I say we, mostly you, again, (laughs) I didn't do much, much breastfeeding myself, but we decided to nurse our children and thankfully our children took really well to that and it was a really great experience for us and our children but as a as a father I felt really um useless a lot of times because there wasn't a lot I could do besides just change diapers yeah you know especially even a newborn like our kids learned quickly that they wanted to nurse right before they went to sleep so I couldn't even really put them to sleep because they would, I would hold them, they would cry, and you're like, here, give me the baby, I'll nurse him, put him to sleep, and you could do it so much better. So there were some feelings that I had, um, just feeling insecure, like I wasn't doing enough, or I wasn't able to participate in some of the needs. And you know me, I like to be a problem solver. Exactly. You know, if I show up to a situation, something needs to be done, I like being part of the solution. So it was frustrating sometimes to to feel like there was nothing I could do. And I could see how tired you were and how you wanted help. 
and you needed help, but I didn't really know what I could do. And so that was, that was hard for a while. And even, um, and we have three kids. So for every child, there's that, that experience, but especially for the first child, because there wasn't something obviously I could be doing. Right. I mean, think about the housework and all that. Yeah, that's a given. I was working on all that, but with the other children for the second child and the third child being born, I had the other kids to take care of. And so I could sort of get my, um, productivity needs out on them. I could play with them. I could help them with things. And, you know, when one child is born, the next child has to grow up quickly to elevate themselves beyond the baby level. So we could just have one baby. So there's a lot of maturing happening quickly with those children. But I think those were some of the more hard parts. Um, just those feelings of not being able to do much and feeling like I couldn't help as much as I wanted to. What about you? Yeah. And I don't think I really understood that with our first child. And I think, you know, uh, you mentioned how we were newly married and then just a couple months into marriage, we had our first baby. And I remember that being a big struggle Mm -hmm. because I, I felt like I was kind of mourning that newlywed period. I'm like, we're never going to have that anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're just now we're parents. And it's like that whole, married for the first year is just kind of gone and now right. we're just going to be parents. We didn't really live our first year of marriage together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did, but we were together obviously, but we didn't have a f- solid year of marriage without kids because we got pregnant so early. So that was, you're right. People talk about your first year of marriage and it was like, it just felt like first, first three months of marriage before we had kids. Exactly. So I think that was, I think that initially made my pregnancy a little bit harder because I was just really trying to get like excited. Yeah. You were in denial about for a while. It. And I was in denial for I a told while. you you were pregnant. Yeah. And so that's kind of a funny story, but so I had to overcome those feelings, you know, mm-hmm. once I started getting excited about things, um, about having a baby. Um, I always wanted to be a mother. It was, that yeah. was never the issue. I always wanted to be a mom. Um, I, I looked forward to that season of life. I just didn't expect the season to come so early. And I know there's other women that would be in the opposite uh, spectrum where they're still waiting for that season to happen. And so, you know, I don't want it to sound like I was ungrateful or anything. It was just a a struggle, an internal struggle that I had to overcome Mm -hmm. myself. Um, But I think as well, you know, when you become a mom, especially for the first time, I think, you know, as a single person, even like newly married, there was still a lot of selfishness I had to overcome. Right. That was, that was a big part of becoming a mom was overcoming my selfishness because I felt like I was the sole, not that I was, but in my mind, it was like, I'm the sole caregiver of this child Mm -hmm. and I'm the only one that can nurse him. I'm the only one that can calm him down. He always wants me, you know, I was, you know, we decided that I was going to be a stay at home mom. And I wanted that. I, I really did. That wasn't something you had to talk me into. Like, I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. I mm-hmm. wanted to be with our child. And I just remember getting so frustrated because I felt like, is this all I am? Yeah. <laughs> is this all I am now? Just a caretaker of a baby? And that sounds so mean. It can sound so mean. But that was just some of those, like, feelings. Because, you know, your hormones are changing. Your body's changing back to what it was before. But it's still not the same. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of these things that I didn't even really understand that my body was going through that kind of coupled with 
the, this struggle of overcoming selfishness, it just kind of, it took me a while to kind of get back into who I was and, and mm-hmm. to know that, yes, part of my identity is a mother, but who I am is who I am in Christ. Right. And this is just a role that God has given me to fulfill and it's a great joy. And so I had to come around and I had to make some decisions about like, I'm not going to stay in this mindset that uh, being a mom means I lose who I am. Like it's just a part of who I am and who I truly am is in Christ. And, you know, things later on um, worked itself out. You know, now I've found some other things that I can do that kind of still give me that um, feeling of, being adequate, feeling of like finding fulfillment, like how you were sharing, you know, you didn't feel you were a little bit insecure about how you weren't able to maybe do as much as you wanted to with our first child. Um, or you were trying to find ways to help me because you mm-hmm. were, you were helpful. And I think another thing that I was wrestling with was like, I didn't feel like, like I'm not doing anything anymore. Like Joe's the mm-hmm. one that gets to go out and work. And cause yeah. I had a job before, um, Siles was born. So I, I wasn't going out of the home and, mm-hmm. and working and bringing in finances. And so I, I almost felt like some insecurity as well. I feel like those were some insecurities. Two insecure just, people living together, <laughs> raising you know, a child. And I think, you know, we definitely could have done a better job sure. of communicating sure. this to each other. And I feel like those were conversations we would have maybe had more mm-hmm as like a newly married couple, um, not having to deal with a child at the same time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Where everything was just so rushed forward mm-hmm. that it was hard to have those conversations that needed to happen. Yeah. I um, think we've grown in our communication abilities as well, just as a married couple. You know, there was, um, like you said, we, we jumped into parenting so quickly. It almost felt like ready or not. Here we go. Right. But I do want to reiterate something that you, you mentioned for my part. I am extremely grateful for our child. I, I wouldn't change a thing, you know, for sure. it caught me off guard, but God blessed us with such an amazing child and he's carried us through this whole time. You know, it may sound like we're complaining, but we're just reflecting back on what, it, what it really felt like, you know, this right. is really yeah. what, what it was like. Um, we're not going to sugarcoat it and say everything was perfect, (laughs) but, um, God brought us through and we had a lot of support, a lot of great people on our side. And, you know, you, you mentioned something last night or whenever we were talking about this particular podcast episode that, um, well, tell us, tell what, what did you tell me? You said when a baby is born. Oh, when a baby is born, so are the parents. Yeah. Like a new dad and a new mom appear on earth that had not existed in the first place. I thought that was so such a cool saying because it's true when you become a mom for the first time it's like you have two new people in the house and neither of them know how to act the baby doesn't (laughs) know how to be a human yet the mom doesn't know how to be a mom yet and the dad doesn't know how to be a dad yet and so one of the things that i would recommend if we could go back in time and talk to our former selves Mm -hmm. six and a half or six almost seven years ago now i would tell myself have some grace for melissa and understand that it's not going to be perfect. You know, I was maybe still losing the facade of the pre-marriage self, you know, how <laughs> when you, when you're dating somebody, they're just perfect in every way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think we were still kind of losing that yeah. at that point. I hadn't really fully <laughs> washed off. Um, but 
have some grace, communicate needs, communicate how you're feeling. Right. Um, I just, I think giving allowances to one another to say, Hey, you can tell me how you feel, even if it sounds mean or ugly. Like I would rather you just get it out and let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. I may not be able to meet your needs or may not be able to answer the questions you have, but at least I know we're being honest with one another and we can go forward rather than kind of assuming he thinks that she thinks that just be open. You know, I wish I would have been more vocal about, Hey, I wish, I wish I had more to do with the baby. I want to help more. And then if you didn't need it, I wanted you to feel comfortable saying, Hey, I, I don't need your help with the baby, but I would like your help with this. Right. Or I would like it if you could learn to do this like this or whatever. But that comes from maturity and things that we've grown in since then. But yeah, I, I agree. It was, it was a tough season of our life, but I, I got to be grateful because our son was healthy. You know, yep. we had a lot to be grateful for. We had a place mm-hmm. to live. You know, we weren't looking around. I had a good job. I, I got my, um, I started my teaching job the, the same year Silas was born. So I was blessed with consistent income. So there's a lot of great things that happened in that time frame. But of course, looking back, we could always have done better. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, really for any season that a married couple goes through, anything that brings about such a drastic change it's always important to remember to really communicate Mm -hmm. what you're thinking what is going on because that is just so critical and I think that would have really saved us some misunderstandings yeah in the beginning of our marriage yeah (laughs) that would have been good yeah assuming you know what the other person's thinking or I, I think for me I have to guard my mind and think, well, they, they're thinking this and that's just mean. And that's, you know, I wouldn't come out and say it, but communication breaks down those false impressions of what you right. think other people are thinking. So it's important to communicate and, and make, make it clear what you're feeling. Even if, you know, even if it sounds like a complaint, do so in a spirit of gratitude for the person, but be real with them and be honest and say, this is how I'm feeling. Even if it sounds wrong or selfish, like just say it, get it out there and then correct yourself. Say, you know, I'm trying to get over this. I need your help. Um, It's totally legitimate. So Melissa, what are some things that change in a marriage relationship when children are introduced? Well, it would seem like you really have to fight for your time together Mm -hmm. because children do, especially in their first two to three years of life, they take a lot. They take a lot from you. They're very needy and that's normal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really normal. So you really have to fight for time together and you have to prioritize that time together because then you're kind of left with, if you take on the role, like as just for like, say for me as a mom, I'm always meeting my kids needs and I'm just always prioritizing what what I th- want for them, but I'm not pri- prioritizing what you need, mm-hmm. then that really hinders our relationship. Yeah. And so I think there was several times I was always just prioritizing our kids and not prioritizing you. And I think that created some moments where we weren't connecting, mm-hmm. where we weren't communicating, where we weren't you know, having fun like we used to, you know, back in those two months of marriage right. before kids. Um, so I, I would say, you know, you have to, what changes is you have to fight more for to spend time together. You yeah. don't think about it. Honestly, I didn't think about it um, too much. And then when it actually happened, I was like, wow, I exhausted at the end of the day and I 
don't feel like talking. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like connecting. I just want to like be alone <laughs> and yeah. go to sleep. <laughs> um, and so I think that's important to know that kids are amazing and they bring so much joy and they're a blessing, but you have to prioritize your marriage. You mm-hmm. have to prioritize spending time going on date nights. I know we were reflecting on the first date night we had uh, after having Silas and just how it was so hard for me to not think about him and what he, I was like, he's probably crying and he probably yep. needs to mm-hmm. nurse and he probably needs to do all these things. And it was so hard for me mm-hmm. to just prioritize our time to, yeah. to really be in the moment with you and I can imagine that was it reminded really annoying. Me, it reminded me of another date we were on where you were totally disconnected. We went on a date the same day that your sister got engaged. Oh, yeah. And uh, her um, BJ, Sarah's husband, texted you and said, hey, I'm going to engage. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going to propose to Sarah tonight. And I was just like, all right, well, our date's over. We're just going to talk about them now. And we ended, up, we ended up going there and trying to get a video of him proposing and everything. But uh, but yeah, our first first few times away from the kids, is for our first child, it was better after our other kids came along. But I remember it was a struggle to even, it's almost like we had to reintroduce ourselves to each other. Yeah. Like, Hi, I'm Joe. And your name is... Melissa. Melissa, okay. And do you like this type of food? And we almost had to re restart our marriage in a sense. Not that we ever stopped being married, but we just it let we let it cool off a little bit where we Yeah, I would say you know, yeah. our attention and our focus was drawn away from that. And I think there's a certain amount of, you know, maternal instinct that kicks in for moms to where that's gonna happen. You know, moms yeah. take care of their kids. That's that's great. And as a dad, I had a struggle with, you know, jealousy and, and you're like, wow, Melissa is spending all of her time thinking, talking to and caring for this child. You know, where's where do I fit in this situation? And so for me, there was a, you know, there's some times where I had to be creative and think about how can we as a family do things. And it's OK as a as a couple to, you know, especially early dating to just take your child with you, you know, you need or I think early on we need to teach our children that our marriage is important and you're going to come with us. Like, we're not going to center our whole schedule around you. So if you and your wife like to go to parks and walk, take your kids with you. You know, do mm-hmm. find things that you can do that you enjoy as a couple and bring your child into that world rather than your child forcing you into their world all the time. Right. You know, when we want, you know, we don't just go to kids' places to hang out. We go to places that we like to go. And the kids just learn to enjoy it with us. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way to, even without finding a babysitter, there's a way to en- enrich your marriage in a way that doesn't require you to constantly get babysitters, which is a which is a struggle. You know, we have lots of friends that have kids our age, and so it's maybe a little bit easier for us with family members living close by. Right. Um, so I feel for those people who don't have that connections. And I encourage you to find those connections at your church. Find a family that you can swap with and say, hey, we'll watch your kids this Friday. And you go anywhere you want, and then maybe we can swap a, a different date night with you guys. And that not only not only does that save you money, but it gives you, um, you know, bonds that friendship that you have with that family, and your your kids can have friends. But that that should come from your local church. Just a side note from that. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the local church because I remember, um, you know, our church always, especially for the first baby, we did, you know, like a baby shower, and then mm-hmm. we um, once we had the baby we had a whole week of meals that were brought to us. And that was just 
amazing to have that much support. I mean, we have both, we're so blessed because we have both families that are very close to us. Um, And, but we also have a church family that Mm -hmm. loves us and, and supports us. And so that, that was amazing having as parents and, you know, having a church that, um, loves on new families that sees that need and wants to fill it. Uh, and so I would encourage our listeners, if you don't have a church family, find one Absolutely. because, it, you know, we talked about it on our last podcast, but the community you can find in your church family is just amazing. Yeah. And you know, all of my closest friends come from our church family and I've, found mom friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) in our church family. We're all having babies at the same time. We have kids the same age and it's just super amazing. I think that is another key part to me being more of a successful mom is because I have people at church pouring into me Mm -hmm. like other moms um, that are pouring into me that encourage me and that can recognize, you know, those things that you go through, but help pull you out, Mm -hmm. you know, Absolutely. Such value in those kindred relationships. So let's talk about future children. So we have three. So how did we adjust from one child to the two children to three children? What are some things that you think we did well, Mel, or some things that we probably could have done better? Well, one piece of advice that I got from our sister-in-law, Ashley Wolf, mm-hmm. that has always stuck with me, and I tell everybody that I know about it, she told me, because they have five children. Mm-hmm. So I like to ask their, <laughs> I like to pick their brains a lot. Uh, she told me, cause I, I remember asking her like, you know, how did you adjust going from one to two? You know, like, how do I do this? How do I manage this? Like, how do I even try and take care of a second child? And she told me there is a measure of grace for you every time. Mm-hmm. And that just like hit me like this truth bomb. Like, Oh, she's like, there's always grace. She's like, every child that we added, there was just always that measure of grace that the Lord would give us. And I'm like, Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've told that to several people since then. So thank you, Ashley, for that. But I think that's what really helped me in thinking about how to adjust was that it may take a little bit, but I know that there's grace. And now that I know that God mm-hmm. is going to help me um, adjust. And I think I just had to take it one day at a time, you know, and to really, you know, if certain things didn't get done or if, you know, I was struggling, I just, you know, I just pray and ask the Lord, like, help, yeah. <laughs> give me peace, help me to know what to do, help me know how to manage two children simultaneously. And he just did. You know, I wouldn't have been able to do it without the Lord, without you, without support. Um, I think something that we did really right, I guess I could say, I hmm. don't like to even consider myself an expert um but was just to you know we just made made things happen you know Mm -hmm. we just made things work we you know i remember that time being really i don't know it seemed to go a lot more seamlessly than with our first to be honest uh you mean inviting naomi inviting naomi in yeah was it just seemed a lot easier Mm -hmm. to me i would you know i'd already had at least almost three years Mm -hmm. to adjust being a mom and then welcoming her you know we just kept going 
Yeah, you Sal, know, Silas, our firstborn, is so easygoing. I think he right. was he was very easy. He didn't. He's not a very jealous child and doesn't doesn't want to fight for attention like maybe some of our other children do. So I think he was a good firstborn as far as helping us adjust to more children. Um, and yeah, one of the things that I would add is make sure that you're spending time with the other children and they feel important right. outside of just being a brother to their newborn baby. Um, so one of the things, and this is where I felt like I could do this a lot more than you could. I would take the kids outside and I'd play with them for hours, just one-on-one. We wouldn't talk about baby brother or baby sister. We would just, we would just be ourselves and mm-hmm. kind of get out of this world of everything is about the baby. And I think that's what your older children need. They need to know that they're still important, that you still love them, that they're not being replaced and that they still have a special part in your heart and special part of your life. And we can do that on a regular basis. And really we should continue to do that their entire life. Let them know, Hey, you may be one of three, but we're going to do some things just that you like to do, or we're going to make sure that you have an opportunity to have a voice in this family so that we all feel like we're participants and not owing anybody anything and not bowing down to one person's wishes and desires. Yeah. And we, you know, we really try to communicate with Silas, like the change that was coming. I do remember that, uh, you know, we got him this book about, mm-hmm. you know, being a big brother and we talked to him about it and try to just make him a part. I remember reading an article that says something about, you know, try to engage your child with things that are happening with the new baby, like maybe picking out a gift for the new baby to give them when they come home from the hospital. Um, yeah, just including them mm-hmm. in ready, you know, and welcoming their new baby brother, baby sister. And so I remember us doing that. And I, th- I thought, you know, Silas suggested really quickly, I felt like mm-hmm. to his little sister, he was yeah. very caring and it took him a while to want to hold her, but I never pushed it. I never, mm-hmm. uh, you know, made him feel like, it was wrongly he didn't want to hold his sister. He was just not sure. And eventually he asked me to, and I let that happen. That's funny. I don't um, remember that at all. I, yeah, I remember, you know, taking pictures like the first time he wanted to actually hold his sister. But I just, like I said, I was just really trying to not like push anything onto him and just mm-hmm. really let him go at his own pace. And I think he adjusted fairly quickly. It was never, I don't remember it ever being like this big, big thing for him at least yeah something else too that our kids have done a good job of is to adopt responsibilities as the new older siblings so like when naomi was born silas was all was all automatically the oldest child and so he was the big brother he was the one that we wanted to look to for help and even naomi when her little brother israel was born she became to be more nurturing and more motherly and she wanted to do more things and have more responsibilities around the house because she's a big girl now she has a big uh she has a role to play that's not being the youngest in the family and so i think maybe something you could do as well when new children are coming into the family is put some more responsibility on your older children say hey we really need you to step up because kids like being told that they're important kids like being told that what they do is helpful Mm -hmm. and so Instead of saying, hey, mommy and daddy are going to do everything for you, I would encourage you to really try to give them some new responsibilities around that same time. That way they can feel like they're adding to the family. Because just like I felt useless a lot of times when 
Silas was born, our firstborn. Like I couldn't do anything. There wasn't anything I could do to help. It was good to have tasks to do that made me feel like I was contributing to the family. And I think your kids can do the same thing where you're giving them responsibilities and you're giving them opportunities to feel valuable and have worth in the family because there's not a lot they can do for the baby, right? You're right. not going to ask a four-year-old to babysit your newborn or your, mm-hmm. you know, Naomi was two years old when her brother was born. So it, she couldn't do hardly anything. She needed a lot of help herself, yeah. you know? Yeah, she's, she's still bar- a little. <laughs> yeah, barely getting along on her own, but. Just to give them that expectation, like, hey, you're grown, you're growing up, you're big, we need you, we need your help around the house. Sometimes that can help alleviate some of that feeling of no one's paying attention to me mm-hmm. and gives them more purpose in doing menial tasks around the house. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And Naomi rose to the occasion. She was very, like you mentioned, very nurturing and she wanted to be a big helper. And I remember she loved giving Israel his pacifier, you know, she just, um, we just try to find ways for her to be able to participate and include yeah. her, yet still, you know, make sure she, her and Silas both knew how important they still were to mm-hmm. us as individuals, you know, and that it wasn't like, sure, Israel is getting a lot of attention because he's just a little baby. And we'd have to remind them of that. Like I tried to, I mean, even now, you know, Israel's two, so now he's the age that Naomi was when he was born and I try to remind Silas and Naomi like you know he's still learning like he's still learning how to do certain things so I try to remind them like that this is just for a season this is just Mm -hmm. for a short amount of time and before you know it he's going to be the same age as you and he's going to know how to do so much more he's going to know how to share he's going to know how to communicate even more and so just trying to help your kids make allowances mm-hmm. for their younger siblings is also good. Not feeding into, because I mean, that there's frustrations that you can have with your kids. I mean, even with a newborn, you just need, they're so needy, you yeah, know? And Every, loud. And loud. And it's just, there's a lot of adjustment with that, but just, you know, not feeding into those like negative things, mm-hmm. but just say, Hey, let's, I would always, um, every time Israel would cry, I would say, oh, he probably needs to eat. He probably needs his diaper changed or he's tired. Mm -hmm. So let's try all these three, all three of these things and see how we can get him to stop crying, (laughs) you know? And they, you know, they got used to that. And so they're thinking, oh, okay, he needs something. There's something that we need to do for him. He's not just doing this to cause chaos. (laughs) You know, he's, you know, he just needs something. So I, you know, I think that's something that, you know, it was probably a good thing that I did yeah. with our kids. I was look, looking for, you're looking for learning opportunities so you can help your children understand that this is what babies do. And you were a baby. I was a baby. We all went through this, but we're not going to stay this way. Right. You know, eventually they will be able to be older enough. They will be old enough to talk by themselves, to go to the bathroom by themselves, to do all these things that maybe these older children can do. And it's good for them to know that and help them understand that it's not like their kid their younger brother or sister is broken or, you know, it's normal to do that. It's normal to have those things. And we just need to learn how to, you can tell your kids this, we just need to learn how to find out what they need and give it to them. And then everything could be happy again. You know, we can go back to being our happy, quiet family that we were earlier. And, and it's, I remember a lot of times when like uh, Israel would cry, Naomi would get upset and plug her ears and Silas yeah. would go get his earmuffs and put them on or his yeah. ear protection and I had to tell the kids, like, 
guys, it bothers me too, but we just got to tough it out. Mm-hmm. Like he's part of our family. We can't just, we can't complain every time he does something we don't like. We just got to understand this is what babies do. And we're going to have to do our best to be gracious towards him and, and just tough it out, you know? Right. And I think it was by me vocalizing that to them. I think it also helped me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was the one that was, you know, struggling to find out, okay, what does this baby need? Like, what do, you know, how do I pacify him? And, or her, you know, um, when it was Naomi, uh, and I think it just reminded me like, this is just a season. Like it does go by fast, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. Uh, it, it, it does, it just time flies. And that's something I just had to remind myself constantly of is that it's just a season I can, I can do this by the grace of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength because there's a lot of things you just, you have to just constantly adjust. And sometimes things just pile up and you feel like I just could not take anything more. <laughs> I just couldn't have had moments like that. Even this week, like I can't, I can't take any more of those things, but then the Lord reminds me like my grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, in the passion translation, we know recently we talked about the fruit of the spirit and I was reading in the passion translation and it said it had the word limitless and immediately the Lord was like, that means it never runs out. Yeah. So when you feel like my patience, have you ever said that my patience is almost out mm-hmm. or you've, maybe you've heard someone say that. I don't know if I've ever said it, but I've certainly felt it. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm just, I'm about out of patience. I'm about out of joy or of love. And the Lord will remind me you're not mm-hmm. because my spirit lives on the inside of you sure. and okay. you can continue pulling from that. It's like a well it's, with no exactly. bottom, right? And so as parents, especially in that newborn phase, that new season, of, you might think like, I just, I, I don't think I can go another night without sleep. Yeah. And then you remember the joy of the Lord is my strength. Mm-hmm. I know that I can continue to do this. Like, yeah, it feels like I'm about to fall over <laughs> maybe, but, the Lord is here and he's with me and he's giving me that grace to keep going Yeah, and that he sees me in this moment and he understands where I'm at and he's going to support me. He's there for me. Something else to consider. A lot of times we are, we are so temporal focused. We think about the here and now. Yeah. So when your baby doesn't sleep well, we've had a couple of kids that have not slept very well and it's very interrupting to your sleep, especially one thing I want to remind ourselves of is this person I'm raising right now, by the grace of God, will be a world changer. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to look back 60 years from now and say, wow, I'm glad I put up with the child that I had in the home because now they're doing amazing things. You know, they're changing the world. They're changing lives. They're being used by God to do all these wonderful things. And I think with that type of perspective, it'll make these daily annoyances seem so small in comparison and we'll be able to look back with joy and say, you know what? It wasn't easy, but we stuck it out, you know, and it was worth it in the end. You know, I think about all the, um, think about Mary from the Bible, um, Jesus's mother, how, you know, she had all this stuff happen. They had to flee their home a couple of times. She had a baby out in a cave with sheep and donkeys and it was disgusting and i'm probably sure she felt like great thanks angels for picking me thanks god (laughs) this is awful but the um the the goal or the end where she raised the son of god and the savior of the world i'm sure she looked back and said wow it's all worth it knowing that 
the world is saved through somebody that I raised in my home. Obviously, you're not raising Jesus right now, but think ahead. This could be a this could be someone that changes an entire nation. Yeah, and you'll look at sure. your, you'll look at your kids differently. You know, you'll look at them with respect and and think this is this is worth it. So, in our last few moments, Mel, let's wrap this up. What is some advice that you would give to somebody who maybe isn't having a new child recently or, or soon in their home? But what what should we do with new families or for new families that are inviting new children to their homes? What are some things that we as friends and family can contribute to them and help them? Pray for them. Check in with them. That goes a long way with a new mother. Um, even with a new a new dad, I would assume. But mm-hmm. um, check in and say, hey, how are you doing? Do you want me to bring a coffee to you? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you want me to come hold your baby so you can nap or take a shower. Yeah. I mean, that is just invaluable to a new family. Take them a meal. You don't have to, I think a lot of times we say things like, and I've said this before, I'm guilty of it. Oh, let me know if you need anything. Right. I will never ask you for anything. Most moms will not ask you. Without asking for help. You just say, Hey, I'm on my way with a coffee. What do you want? Yeah. Or what do you, what do you want from McDonald's? I'm going to drive through right now. Yeah. Or, just, hey, I'm going to bring you a meal. What time do you eat? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's amazing. And just, yeah, like I said, praying, checking in, loving on them, inviting them to your home and knowing that, you know, uh, they have a couple extra new people and mm-hmm. uh, just loving on them. That's just, you know, a lot of people did that for us. I've had so many friends do that for me. Um, especially with during the newborn season, just checking in. And that was just, that made the world so much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just made my, my world so much better. Uh, and just, yeah, just be there. Even if it's just going over and folding clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a new mom has not caught up on her laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's um, taking their older kids out yeah. to do something special so that they feel that's what scene. I was going to say. Give your give your older kids an opportunity to do something outside of the home where it's not so much about the baby. Sometimes that's really, as parents, you know, that makes us feel good when people want to spend time with our kids, even if we can't be there with them. Right. Um, I remember that some some people offered offered to take some of our kids when both Naomi and Israel were born, and it was it was nice just to have a quieter home. Maybe that's maybe that's time to relax and time to talk as a couple's when your other kids aren't there. Because they, mm-hmm. they need a lot of attention as well. Right. Yeah. So that way the fun isn't just gone because mm-hmm. the new baby's here. Because it just takes you a little bit to want to go out and do things and, mm-hmm. and such. So, yeah, that would be me. That's be good. my advice. I would uh, agree with all that and add that, you know, as dads, as new dads, a lot of times new dads do feel like they aren't doing enough or they they can't do things. And some dads need to go back to work very quickly after a baby is born Mm -hmm. and the wife may be off for another six weeks or whatever the maternity leave situation is, or maybe they stay at home like you did. But, um, you know, encourage new dads that they are doing a good job and that they can develop relationships and encourage new dads to continue pursuing their wife as their soulmate. You know, don't stop being attracted to your wife just because she's a mom now. Don't stop loving on her and, and doting over her and letting her know how beautiful she is. I mean, those are things that your marriage still needs, you know, even yes. though, I mean, wives go through, I mean, moms go through a huge amount of physical changes in the nine, well, nine months of pregnancy and then however many months or years afterwards. So it's important that you 
encourage your your friends that are guys that are becoming new dads that hey it's okay to go to work it's good to do that continue serving continue providing for your family but don't neglect your marriage don't neglect to find ways to take your wife out find give them give them ideas on how they can get babysitters and and maybe or offer off, to babysit, you know, offer to babysit. <laughs> um, but then also make sure that relationship is good. Make sure that the dad is taken care of as well. Inviting, you know, inviting a friend out to go do something fun. If you like fishing or you like watching a, a game or something together, like a lot of times dads sacrifice a lot of their hobbies to be at home more so they can help with the mom, new mom, right. new baby and everything, which is good. That should be a priority of course, but um, it's okay to invite a dad out and maybe find a way to help with the family as well. But it's okay. Just check on them and, and really, you know, be led by the Holy Spirit. If God puts someone on your heart, it's probably someone you need to talk to mm-hmm. and find some time to spend some time with and encourage them and build them up because you can reach people that no one else can. You know, God right. put you in a specific sphere of influence where you have some in ends with people that maybe other people don't. You could bring a positive, godly Christian perspective and encouragement level to somebody that perhaps they wouldn't get from anybody else. So it's mm-hmm. important to follow those leadings of the Holy Spirit. It's so good. Yes. If someone just drops on your heart or you just start thinking about someone, that's when I know that God is wanting me to reach out to them. Yeah. And sow some good seeds. If you feel like maybe you want to be a parent someday, even, even if you're single, I remember being single and you were single, you know, we would do some babysitting on the side too. There was times where I watched people's kids or I would volunteer at church to be part of a certain group to help watch a group of kids or something like that. And those are just seeds sown, you know, putting time and effort into that. I feel like you were so willing to watch people's kids when you were single that we have a lot of people willing now to watch our kids. And it it goes a long way to, uh, you know, it can benefit your future to start investing to those things now, especially if you're a young person who's maybe not even married. You know, you can start now to not plan for your parenting per se, but uh, put some good seed in the ground and learn all you can about parenting and be a blessing to those parents that you do know. Yeah. Amen. It'll That's help good. you in the long run. So you want to add anything else before we close? I don't think I have much else to add. I think we said everything that we need to. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Hey, I want to thank you for listening. If you stuck with us this long, we appreciate you so much. Um, be sure and follow us on our Facebook and Instagram page. And if you have any suggestions for shows, we would love to hear them. Yes. Obviously, we can talk about all sorts of things and we, we, won't, we don't have a problem coming up with things to talk about. But if there's something that you feel like you want us to cover, we would be happy to take those suggestions. You can message us on either Instagram or our Facebook Messenger, um, our Facebook page. And we would love to hear from you. So again, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.